0: All right, good morning and welcome to Genesis. My name is Dan. I'm one of the pastors here at the Carmel Campus. And thank you to those of you who have joined us in person. And thank you for joining us online to worship today. Uh, Today is the first Sunday of Advent. And so as Joel said, yeah, one guy back here is raising the roof. Um, As Joel said, you can unabashedly listen to Christmas music as loud as you want right now. Or if you're like my family, you who have been listening to it since Labor Day, you can turn it up even more. And so it's a bit ironic that I'm the one who's kicking off our Advent series here at Carmel because my wife affectionately calls me the Grinch this time of year, all because I believe that Christmas music should start December 1st. I'll make an exception for the first Sunday of Advent, but it's true. I am known as the Grinch at our house, but we are starting a series today called Travel Light. And our aim with this series is that during this busy holiday season, as many people start to feel worried or anxious or lonely or busy or even despair, is that we can turn to God's word and we can turn to God and realize that we were never meant to carry those things. And God has a pretty simple solution for us with those. It's to simply let go and travel light. And today, we're specifically talking about worry and anxiety. And before any of you choose to correct me, like, I want to make it clear. We know they're not exactly the same thing, but we are lumping them together because they really are related to one another. And I've experienced that even in in my own life. And my hope for you today is that whether you struggle with worry or clinical anxiety, is that you will see from Scripture that there are ways that we can grasp onto God and to his word and through our faith that we can start to lay those things down and live without the weight of worry and fear and anxiety that may come during this season. And because this really is an important conversation, I want to take just a minute and pray over our conversation today because worry and anxiety in some way affect all of us at some point. So will you please pray with me? Gracious God, Thank you for today. Thank you for what we are beginning to celebrate today as we anticipate the celebration of Christmas, the celebration of your son coming to our, coming, entering his creation to free us from the weight of fear and worry, anxiety and sin and so much more. And God, I pray that your spirit will be in this room and that you will tune every heart in this room and online to the key of your voice so that we can see the areas that cause us worry, that cause us anxiety, and that you can show us how to lay those things down at your feet, so that we can live in the freedom that you promise. God, we love you and we trust you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. The UK magazine, Country Living, uh, in an article from 2019, wrote about, the author wrote about stress and anxiety of this time of year. Now, I don't subscribe to country living. This is actually something that somebody sent to me. Um, But I want to point out something that Lisa Joyner, the author, said in the article. She wrote, while there are many things I love about Christmas, watching December events overflow my diary fills me with anxiety. Can I ever say no? How much will all of these social events cost? What What if I just want an evening at home? I don't think I've ever canceled anything at Christmas because you just don't do that, not at Christmas. Then there's the reality that another year is over, and suddenly, frantically, I begin thinking back to the year that has been. How many of my goals did I achieve? Did I get everything done that I said I would do? And instead of being proud, I'm often filled with regret and sad that I didn't make more of the year. Now, the article goes on to detail how loads of people Who don't normally struggle with anxiety, struggle with a lot of worry during this time of the year. And one study that's cited in the article said that 16% of people would rather do their taxes than go to a family dinner at Christmas time. 26% of people would rather go to a job interview than family dinner at Christmas time. Yes, it's unreal. But 50% of people, half of the adults in this study said that Christmas is by far, hands down, the most stressful time of the year. Which gets me thinking, like, maybe it's time we change the name and the lyrics of that song that claim it's the most wonderful time of the year. And because that's just how my mind works, I did a little Googling this week and found a surprising number of parodies out there already that (laughs) communicate just that. Some of them are good, some of them aren't, but the fact of the matter is, the, because there are so many parodies about how stressful this time of year is, it only proves the point of the article. That as we enter this season of Advent, this season of anticipation, when we're hoping to find peace and joy and rest, a lot of us end up weighed down by worry, anxiety, and fear. And the fact of the matter is, you were never meant to carry any of that. One of the most repeated instructions in all of Scripture is do not be afraid. So today, again, our hope is to give you some Scripture and some resources to help you navigate the worry and the potential anxiety that can come about during this time of year, but not just this time of year, but to grasp onto these truths, to navigate worry and anxiety throughout life. But worry and anxiety haven't just entered our Christmas season with the growing chaos of holiday schedules over the last several decades. In just a minute, we're going to turn to Luke chapter 1, where we'll see a potential moment for Mary that was filled with anxiety, or at least a moment that could spark a ton of anxiety. And before we, before we read it, I want to kind of set, set this up for you and give you a little bit of uh, info as to what Mary might have felt like. Because whether you deal with worry a lot or you deal with anxiety or you don't, I think we could all agree that the moment an unmarried teenager finds out that she's going to be pregnant and have a baby, even though she's a virgin, is a moment that's going to cause a lot of anxiety in her life. And that's exactly where we find Mary in Luke chapter 1. So starting at verse 28, Luke writes, the angel went to her and said, greetings, you who are highly favored the Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But then the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you will call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign forever over Jacob's descendants. His kingdom will never end. And so to give you a little bit of context to see how this could cause so much worry and anxiety, we need to understand that when Mary, when Mary and Joseph were engaged, Mary was only 13 to 15 years old. And in the middle of what would have been probably just a normal day, this angel shows up out of nowhere and probably scares the daylights out of her. But he says, you know, don't be afraid. To which I imagine Mary catching her breath says something to the effect of, that's easy for you to say. Like, we're on different sides of this equation here. But as he goes on to give her the message, I anticipate that the anxiety and the worry only grew and grew. Because while Mary and Joseph were formally engaged, they weren't even allowed to be together without a chaperone. Because they weren't yet married. And so, what we need to remember is that all of a sudden, Mary finds out that her entire life is about to change and that it's not going to be easy. And so as this happens, she, she's bound to think of worst case scenarios and start asking all the questions that come along with those. Like, one, how is this even going to happen? Two, what in the world is Joseph going to think? Is he going to believe me? Like, what are our families going to think? And who knows what else? And so forget the worry and anxiety that come along with being a first-time parent. Mary and Joseph are thrown into a potential storm of anxiety. And the reason why is because the culture in which they lived placed placed a huge emphasis on honor and shame. And an unwed pregnancy was bound to bring public shame. Now, Bible teacher Brad Nelson says that uh, the public shame that would have come from an unwed pregnancy for Mary would have been a fate worse than death. And so I think this is why Matthew goes to the lengths that he does in his gospel to say that Joseph decided to quietly divorce Mary, to save her from this public shame. And the reason all of this matters is because as the angel and Mary finish their conversation, we get an amazing glimpse of Mary's faith Because when they finish talking, Mary says this in verse 38 I am the Lord's servant. May your word be fulfilled. Mary's response shows us that our faith can influence both our emotions and our actions. And rather than worry and focus on how things could go incredibly wrong, incredibly fast, Mary chose to trust her God over her emotions. And just like we sang a minute ago, Mary knew that God had been faithful all her life. So she knew that he could be faithful going into who knows what, having no clue how Joseph would react, having no clue how their community would respond. And yet she chose to trust her God over her emotions. And we can do the same because here's the thing, worry doesn't do anything. It doesn't add anything. It doesn't accomplish anything. And it only makes things harder. And the truth of the matter is, a lot of the things we worry about, we, they end up uh, you know, working themselves out. Or rather, God ends up working those things out for us. And in Mary's situation, the same angel that visited her visited Joseph in a dream and told him, hey, all of this is of God and you are to call him Jesus and you are to raise him as your own. Now, you may be thinking, oh, that's that's great for them, but I didn't have an angel show up at my very tense Thanksgiving dinner when my uncle and my cousin started arguing about politics and somebody else was just yelling from the other room to quiet down so they could hear the game. Like, where was the angel then? And the truth of the matter is you probably didn't have one show up, and that's okay. Because if you're a follower of Jesus, you actually have something far better than just an angel to show up. Because if you're a follower of Jesus, we have the promise of the Holy Spirit, and you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. Last week, we finished up almost a year-long study on the book of John. And in John chapter 16, Jesus promised the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives when he said this. He said, but very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Now, the NIV uses the word advocate here. But the original Greek manuscripts used the word parakletos, which simply means one who comes alongside of. But it can also be translated as advocate, as helper, as intercessor, comforter, forget this, even counselor. So I want you to think about that one person in your life that you can tell anything. Maybe it's a spouse, maybe it's a childhood friend, maybe it's a roommate, but that person that when something great happens to you, they're the first person you call. Or when something terrible happens, they're the person you want right by your side. Like if you called them right now just weeping, they would rush to be here and be with you. That's exactly what the Holy Spirit wants to be in our lives, to be our comforter, to be our advocate, to be our counselor. And the prophet Isaiah said this in chapter 9, predicting Jesus' birth hundreds of years before he was actually born. He said, for to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Hundreds of years before Jesus was born, Isaiah was telling us that he and the Holy Spirit will be our <clears throat> wonderful counselor, and while we could all use a wonderful counselor to walk alongside us all the time, especially de- dealing with the worries of life, some of us could use a human counselor to give us some wisdom as we walk through any level of anxiety, especially something that 's clinical and so I want to take just a minute and talk about um, give you a filter which through which to see the differences between the two because They're not the same, but they are related. And many people will misdiagnose a personality trait as a disorder. So for example, just because you like to keep your closet really clean and your desk, like just perfectly organized, does not mean you have OCD. And just because you're afraid to meet with your boss or a professor or any other authority figure doesn't mean that you have an anxiety disorder. And so that begs the question, how do we know the difference? Well, um, this week, Steve Wallen talked to somebody who attends our Noblesville campus who is a professor of psychology, and this is what he had to say. He said, does it affect your social or occupational function? If so, professional help is needed. If that's you and it's affecting your ability to work or to be with people, it's a good idea to talk to a counselor, talk to a psychiatrist, or talk to a healthcare professional. That's okay. It's even good. And it can be be an important part of your healing. In fact, most of us, whether we have diagnosed mental health issues or not, would benefit from speaking to a trained counselor sometimes. You see, because many of us feel like the worries of life can add up and just become nothing more. It can become this overwhelming sense of anxiety. But they really may just be stress or fear. And we get anxious because we're uncertain or we're afraid. And there, in these situations, the Bible gives us some really practical and tangible ways to take those things to God and instructions. And so that's why Paul wrote in Philippians chapter 4, verse 7, And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Think about that for just a second. Wouldn't that be amazing? that if every thought that entered your mind had to go through a guard or a filter that is the peace of God to be decided whether or not it could be let in, or if every emotion that wanted to get into your heart had to go through the peace of God to be allowed in, how much less anxiety or worry or stress or fear would you experience if we were able to live out that truth, live out that promise? But the truth is this word here, this little word and tells us that as great as the peace of God is, that's not entirely the point that Paul is writing about. The peace of God is great, but all of this is a byproduct of what Paul wrote in verse six when he says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. So don't be anxious and don't worry. Like it sounds really simple, but in practice it is so far from simple. But the fact that it's not easy doesn't mean that it's not possible. And as we read these words, we often think, yeah, but Paul, you are so far removed from my situation. Our cultures are drastically different. You don't understand my work environment. You aren't, you know, I would rather do my taxes than go to my family dinner, right? Like, Paul doesn't understand what I'm dealing with. And no, he doesn't, because we are thousands of years removed from Paul. But let me help you understand what Paul is dealing with when he wrote this. You see, when Paul wrote this, it appeared as if his ministry was in decline. A lot of the work that he had been doing for years at this point had been undone. The church that he loved in Philippi that he wrote this letter to was in danger because they were receiving some bad teaching. And not only that, they were being persecuted for their faith. And on top of all of that, Paul is hundreds of miles away in prison, unable to do a thing about it, unable to be with the church and the people he loves as they go through this anxiety and this fear of not knowing what the next day holds. And somehow in the midst of that, Paul is able to write, don't be anxious. But in every situation, pray and petition God. He reminds us that while most of the things we worry about are out of our control, nothing is out of God's control. So don't be afraid to ask for help. Your heavenly father, your everlasting father, to borrow a phrase from Isaiah, knows exactly what you need but he desperately longs to be in conversation with you. He wants to hear what keeps you up at night. He wants to hear what you're afraid of. He wants to hear about those things that cause you worry and anxiety. He wants to know the desires of your heart. He wants to know the things you want and the things you need because what he longs for is relationship. And relationships are fueled by conversation. And this is why I will periodically take one of my kids out for breakfast, just one-on-one time, where we can sit and we can have uninterrupted time. They pick where we go, and we just sit and we talk. It gives me time to hear about school, to hear about their friends, to hear about what they want to be when they grow up, because my kids are young enough that it changes all the time. But it gives me time to hear about anything else that they want to talk about. And they love the time, and I love the time because the truth is conversations are vital to healthy relationships. And prayer is vital to a healthy and growing faith. And yes, you can pray for yourself, but you can also ask other people to pray for you because prayer is extremely powerful. There are things that you and I will deal with in this life that we will never be able to overcome or accomplish by our own strength of will our own physical or earthly strength. They will only be overcome and accomplished by the power of prayer. And this is why we so frequently have people here up front ready to pray with you after service. But there's another element to this verse, verse 6, where Paul says we need to do these things, we need to present these requests to God with thanksgiving. Because thanksgiving, being thankful for the things he has provided and he blesses us with, is a key element to letting go and traveling light. So Paul says that there should always be an element of thanks to our prayers. We shouldn't get distracted by our current situations to the point that we neglect our gratitude. And there are always things that we can find to, to be thankful for, his provision, his goodness, or even just another day. It's a, key, it's a key part of the process. And honestly, I know several people who have, um, who have been able to let go of some worry and to move closer to God in their faith by keeping a gratitude journal. Like, whether they do it like, in a dedicated journal or they do it digitally, like, they just keep track of all the things that they're thankful for. And it's amazing to see how it has changed their outlook on things. So if you're struggling with worry right now, or you're just afraid to go to a family dinner in the next four, five, six weeks, what would it look like for you to practice this between now and Christmas day and just see what God might do? What would it look like for you to write down every day one or two things that you're thankful for with no repeats and just see if you're more or less stressed, worried, or anxious than you are right now? If we could stop there, I think, and I think you've probably got enough to get you through the holiday season or at least to get you on the right track and get you going. But Paul doesn't stop there, so we're not gonna stop there either because there are two things that we need to be aware of that happen when we stop worrying. And realistically, like there are a lot of really good things that happen when we stop worrying and we let go of anxiety, but there are two things that we need to be aware of. And the first one is that when we let go of worry and we let go of anxiety, we'll find we have a lot of extra time on our hands, especially if you're used to worrying a lot. And as we let go of these and the time that we have, our mind is freed up to wander and to wonder. And the second thing that happens as we let go of those is that um, there's now a lot more space for new thoughts. Because as we eliminate worry from our lives and as we let go of anxiety, it creates a lot more empty space in our minds. And I think we would all agree that a lot of us have more empty space up there already than some others do. Thank you for laughing. Um, but it's true. And em- here's the thing about empty space. Empty space attracts stuff. And I'm sure you've seen this play out in your own home, whether it's a drawer in the kitchen or a cabinet or empty space in the basement or, uh, or the garage or anything like that. Give it enough time and things will just randomly start appearing there. And it's never anything good, right? Like it just becomes this random assortment of things that we think we'll come back to later. But the truth of the matter is that our our minds work much the same way. And so we need to be really intentional about the things that we let into our minds, Because as we free up space and we free up time in our minds, we we do have a common enemy who would love to fill that again with fear and guilt and shame and worry or depression or anything else that would take our focus off of Jesus. But this is why it's important to look at what Paul writes in verse 8 when he says, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Now, this isn't Paul just pushing the power of positive thinking or pushing forward some agenda that, you know, some made up law of attraction that if you only think good things, only good things are going to come to you. Paul is warning us about the power that our minds have over the rest of our being that, they, that it has over our faith and that it has over our emotions just like we saw with Mary it was because of her faith that she was able to say may your word uh, may your word be fulfilled and so you've probably seen this play out in your own life too like the more you watch HGT, HGTV the more you want to redecorate remodel Uh, your house, and you become more discontent with it. And the more you see your friends buy new cars, the more you start thinking, you know, I I really couldn't use a new car. Like, I've been driving this one for a while. I deserve a new car, even though it's running fine, and it's really clean, and it's getting great gas mileage, and all these other things, right? And if you watch scary movies a lot, which I don't, but if you do, like, then you start thinking that every bump and creak you hear in your house in the middle of the night is some guy, like, with a chainsaw who's looking for you, when in actual, the truth is, it's probably just your dog, or maybe your cat, but who knows what a cat's going to do to you while you sleep, (laughs) or maybe it's even just how much time you watch others on social media, Because as we watch other people on social media, we start becoming more and more discontent with our own life. And because what we choose to fill our minds and our hearts with, eventually spills over into every other area of life. But when you think about things that are true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, and praiseworthy, you start to notice those things in the world. If you don't believe me, think about the, time, the last time you bought a car. And maybe you bought the car because you're thinking, you know, I, I don't see much of that model around, so I like it. I'm going to go ahead and buy that. And then boom, the minute you buy it, you start seeing them all over the place. Well, and the reason this happens is because after you make that purchase, your mind becomes aware of it and your brain is now trained to look for it. And so, Paul says it's really important to think about what you think about. Because it would be amazing that if part of the, part of the package of accepting Jesus' gift of grace is that not only were our sins forgiven forever, which they are, it would be amazing if an accessory that came along with that was freedom from stress and worry and fear and anxiety and discontentment. And that all that was left was peace and joy and hope. But that's not how it works. And that's why it's important to think about what Paul says in verse nine right here. He says, I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. While Paul is living in prison, hundreds of miles from people he loved, he reminds us that the secret of being content, the secret of being satisfied in Christ, the secret of being free from worry had to be learned. He had to practice it. And so if you constantly struggle with worry or fear or discontentment, I hope you're encouraged to know that it is something that you can learn and that we all have to learn. And the easiest way to learn it is to practice it. And so Paul says in, in verse nine, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice and the God of peace will be with you. It takes, it takes practice. It doesn't happen immediately. It doesn't happen naturally. It doesn't happen just overnight. But did you catch that in verse seven, we're promised the peace of God And then in verse nine, we're promised that the God of peace will be with us. This God of peace is our heavenly father. It's our everlasting father that he's talking about. The God of peace who loves you and cares for you and wants to set you free from the weight of worry and fear and anxiety. And for those of us who are here today or watching online who are followers of Jesus, you have a heavenly father who wants to take that weight off of your shoulders. And the best way to turn our is to turn our worries and our fears into prayers and to offer them over to God with thanksgiving, trusting that he's going to do what only he can do to care for us. But if you're here and you're not a Christian, you're not a follower of Jesus, and you maybe have a lot of questions about how all of this works, I want you to very clearly hear me say that God loves you just as much and he wants to set you free from worry and fear and anxiety and all of those things just the same way that he wants us, the way it's from the same way he wants to set all the rest of us free as well. But there is one step that you have to take. You can't keep living your life the same way you are now and then when something terrible happens, say, come on, why does God keep doing this to me? Because he's not doing it to you. It happens as a result of not living in a relationship with Him. He wants you to come back to Him. He wants you to give your worries over to Him. And today, you can make a decision for the first time, or you can renew a decision you've made years ago, or any other time. Look, when you will submit your life to Jesus and accept His forgiveness Your sins are forgiven. And you don't just gain an everlasting father. You gain an entire family of brothers and sisters who love you and who want the best for you. They want God's best for you, even if you can't count on your earthly family. The family of Christ that is the church longs to see God's best in your life. And today we're gonna have some brothers and sisters up front who are ready and willing to pray with you and to pray for you. So if you have anything in your life, anything at all that's causing stress or worry or fear or anxiety, I know finals are coming up for students. And I know that lots of family dinners are coming up. And the season that is meant to be filled with peace and hope and joy can often get filled with busyness and stress and worry. So if there's anything stirring in you, even if you can't quite put your finger on what it is, after we pray in just a minute, I want you to come forward, and you can find me, you can find Joel, you can find somebody else up front who will be ready to pray with you over these things. Will you please pray with me? God Almighty, thank you for the promises we read in your Word, for the promise that that you provide peace in the midst of a chaotic world. God, I thank you for Paul's very practical approach to this, that if we will think about the things of you, things that are lovely and pure and noble and right and true, that we'll start to see those in this world that you have created. God, I know that all of us who are here right now or online, or we're we're all in very different emotional states. And so, God, if there's anybody dealing with stress or worry or anxiety, I pray that you start to lift that weight from them. Help them to lay it down at your feet so that they can begin to experience the freedom that can come from living in a relationship with you God we trust that you want our best and that you want to carry these things for us God we love you and we trust you